My guest today is Elmer. Elmer is my first of hopefully many Mexicans that you'll get a chance to hear from in the coming episodes. And his story fascinated me when I met him. As you'll hear, he runs a business in the skateboarding industry. But the equally interesting thing about his story to me is that he has spent more time in a war zone on behalf of the United States government than I have and than many of my Marine friends have. This is the longest ever episode of the With Ross podcast. So if you feel like skipping around, you can find the timestamps in the show notes. We start talking about Afghanistan about halfway through. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with my friend Elmer. I'm here with Elmer and we're just going to talk about Mexico City and about his job because he has a really fascinating story. With that, why don't you tell us who you are and a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Elmer, Elmer Valle. I'm Luis also. Sometimes I use Luis and then mm. Elmer. But Luis is a pretty common name around here, so sometimes it's better to use Elmer. Okay. So I, I didn't born here in Mexico City. I did born in, in Sinaloa. Mm. But I have been living here in the city like my entire life since I have memory. And, and it's a really cool city. Not always like I move out some few years back because I was just tired of the city. Like I couldn't support it anymore. I couldn't stand anymore. But when I came back, I see the city with a different view then, mm. and, and I start enjoying <laughs> Where did you go when you got away? I went to live in Baja California, mm. Cabos, um, Cabo San Lucas, particularly Land's End. So. All they call it like Land's End, like because it's the very bottom of California. So mm. California ends right there in that town. That's the commercial. Is there thing. is there big skateboarding over there? Not really, ah. not really. There were just like a few skate parks. No, that was not the major. Like, no, was a big thing. Is Mexico City the main skating hub for Mexico? nowadays? Yes, mm. like. Once the, the skateboarding went to the Olympics, they were like a justification for governments to start doing mm. investments on the skate parks. And it's been growing like in the last five years, like massively, and there's new skate parks all around the place. So yeah, I think that one, it's the, one of the most, uh, the skateboarding is seen, the, the biggest or the biggest on the entire country here. Awesome. And we were just talking off camera that you've been skateboarding since you were how old? Yes, 13, 13 years old. I was like, I started skating back then. And it was something like, I get really very quickly passionate about it. Like, it was something that I really like to do. And when you are like in your 13, 14, like you just want to That's all you do, do something with your energy. And that was the the perfect type of the sport. <laughs> That's awesome. And now you have a business with skateboarding, right? So you want to talk about that? Yes, I, I start this business or the idea working on it actually during the pandemic. It was like, okay, I at my home, like mm. nothing to do at work because, you know, office was not prepared to go remote. Mm. So there were like a few months that it was like, exactly nothing to do like report to office for for what because there was no job at, at all to, mm. to do. 
So I was doing park courses. I did it called that because I want to discuss park in my uh. hours. <laughs> so if my boss calls me like, yeah, what's up? Like I'm doing park <laughs> office. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't start then. Like I, I wanted to create a, a, a skateboarding brand. It was not my initial idea, but I did took some courses about mm. entrepreneurship. So I just followed the recommendation that do something that you like to do, you really like to do it, and, and, and it will not easy for you to just run away because it's something that it's already in your life. You already spend time on that. You are basically doing it for free. So do something that it's within that part. Because if you start, if you start a business that it's not related to you in any sense, like it will be harder. It will be right. easier for you to say, oh yeah, uh, I will just quit. Yeah, it won't be sustainable if you don't enjoy doing yes. it. Yes. So tell us what the business is. So well, it's I. It started with like a, like a clothing brand. Mm. So I identify that the skateboarders generation generations. It was like fairly new. So skateboarding start 1670s, but mainly there was a boom in the 80s and 90s. So that generation and the, the skateboarding population start, you know, growing. But in the 90s was like for me because I lived that era. It was like with the shape of the skateboards going from the the that white one mm. changed to like the modern shape of a skateboard that is like uh, just like a the oval thinner yes yeah. one. So since that that type of skateboard provide another type of capabilities for the skateboard to uh, attempt different tricks. And, but the generation from that era <laughs> of that decade, nowadays is like me, like in their 40s, they mm. have kids, they have office, job offices, or they work in a, that type of environment. Mm -hmm. So there is not, I identified that there was not any clothing brand that actually was like a kind of a match or blend in that type of environments, like, you know, that the grow up man <laughs> environment. So I start with this polo, oh, polo shirts. Okay. So I create something like a, a design that was like, okay, I can take it to the, to the skate park, but I can wear it in, in my office place and will not be like, you know, because the skateboard design is like, you know, the school and, and images like colorful. So that's probably not something that will be good for the that type of environment. You could look like a a kid with a family. I don't know. The thing is that I feel comfortable wearing this type of, of polo in in my workplace, going to the mall with my family, and because of my age, uh, mm -hmm. I feel more comfortable. But it has here like the skateboarder yeah. thing. The camera it's got it's a white polo, <laughs> and for people listening. It's a white polo, and then it's got like a silhouette of a skateboarder. Yes. And I put the colors here in that part of oh, the neck. Cool. So skateboarding is something like colorful, but I just put it just like just for the inside of, of the of the shirt. So whenever it's hanging, you can see like the colorful <laughs> shirt that you asking you to grab it. But that was my initial uh, start with the with the business. Like, okay, I will create something like high quality and uh, that you can use in other areas. Mm -hmm. And also like 
that has a straight meshes, message with this figure of one of a person doing a, a skateboarding trick. It's something that actually started the conversation. So mm -hmm. in my workplace, another guy, like I never thought <laughs> that he was a skater also, like, oh, what is that shirt like? At first glance, it looks like a like Ralph Polo Lauren shirt. And then you look closer and you're like, oh yeah, that's a guy skateboarding. That's, that's cool. a skateboarding, yes. And that, that started the conversation, like people approaching me, okay, do you skate? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> so we start that conversation and, and that was the idea. And, but it's really hard to start <laughs> coding mm -hmm. brand actually. And mainly because uh, this is my, my side work. Like I have mm -hmm. my nine to five work. You don't have a lot of time to a lot of do time. it. Yeah. Yes. And I was getting into an industry that I didn't know. Right. At, at first sight, it was like, oh, it's so easy just to, to create a shirt. So were you doing drop shipping? Did you have a website and then, or I guess not drop shipping, but e-commerce? E-commerce. Yeah. I tried, but it took me years to get to that point hmm. because I'm industrial designer. And the thing is that I wanted to create like something from scratch, like the design, the, 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 the shirt. Uh, so not just buying in bulk and just like branding it, like mm -hmm. a stamp or put some graphic. So I went to, to actual do the design and it took me years. Mm -hmm. Like the type of details that the shirt has, it's not common to people that make clothing, at least here in Mexico City. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard because I gave them the design and oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that I can give you back this at the first uh, prototype in one week and two weeks. And I spent a year. <laughs> to get the right yes i need to went to to puebla to a, a center that was specialized on help people with the uh, brand clothing uh, designs so they made the prototypes but there was like a, a big thing like a big building with all the machines designers and everything that's the only way that i can have the design sold like a formal company and there is not many of that What's it? What's an example of something they couldn't do? Is that shirt what you envisioned? Is it the collar or? Yes, like the collar. Yeah, something's that easy. Like oh, I want a white line, two millimeters, mm. four millimeters away from the edge. Something that easy. Yeah, very specific stuff that they. No, and also the quality of of the of the collar. It was like they, they were giving me like collar from from scholars like uh, uniforms. Uh. Like, no, that's, this is not what I'm really looking. Yeah. And I find out all this world of, of the industry that you need to fabricate like hundreds and thousands. Mm, and yeah. Because otherwise, like, you know, the, the big factories will say, no, I will not give you like 200, 300. Like, I am too busy. Mm -hmm. At this, and it's a shame, is the culture here in, here in Mexico, like, I realized that in China they say, okay, I, will, I can make you five pieces, 10 pieces, whatever, because they know that over the time, if, if your business goes going well, you will buy more from them. Mm -hmm. But here in Mexico, uh, it was not the case. It was mm -hmm. like, if you are not They want you to start a, big and stay big. <laughs> yes, they're, 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 most of their business and offices are not prepared to take those small orders uh, mm. so it's too costly for them they don't have the the people to take care of that so they just don't provide the service 
So did you make some sales and the business was going or did you not even get far enough to... I, I made some sales in the in some skate shops here in Mexico, hmm. like people like it. But I, I'm still struggling with the getting the brand uh, recognized in the entire scene, like, like mm -hmm. that type of work to become a uh, very well-known brand. I'm still working on that. But yes, I have a, a few sales. And then the, an idea to create a, a card game mm -hmm. uh, came, and I realized that that card game for skateboarders was something unique, that there was not nothing to compare with. And I start creating the game, testing with my friends and move forward. And every time I hear the feedback, it was like, I haven't seen nothing like this. So I didn't stop the, the clothing thing and I start looking more in, in more detail uh, to go for the game. Because my strategy was, okay, first of all, I need to have the brand recognized. Mm -hmm. and, and then I can start selling another type of accessories, gadgets, or whatever. But once you have the brand out there, it's easier for you to sell other types of. Um, and then I decided, okay, I will go for the game. And, and, and that, that was it, like just promoting the, the game. And I still getting the same feedback. I start traveling to the U.S. because it's the biggest skateboarding community, community in the world. Mm -hmm. So I start going there and showing the game and say, okay, what do you think? And they really like it, and love it. And everybody was telling me like, yes, I've been in the industry for 30, 40 years and I have never seen a game like, like this. So that's great. That motivated me to keep spending money on that. <laughs> yeah. So do you think, what other clothing products did you have? I want to return to the clothing real quick. Did you have just the shirt or? Was I it... have the shirt. There is two models, just the sport model with dry fit fabric. So you can do exercise and it will be dry. In a few minutes. And then a cotton one. Yes, and, and this like the casual one. So that's more for to go to the office, the mall, with the family, some, something like that. It's also dry fit, but the code and the design, it's more like casual. And then, so, you, so your goal is if the card game takes off, then you'll add back the clothing as kind of a, another revenue stream? Yes, I, I will keep testing that because it will depend. Now I know that unless the brand is already recognized, mm -hmm. uh, it will be hard for me to start selling uh, clothing because the, the, the competitors outside, yeah. it's, like, it's, it's not easy to, to, to get to that, to put out their clothing brand. Yeah. Most of the thing of the seasons that, yeah, this product is already old, so you need to, to put it on sale and everything. So the timing in that regard, that, that was another major thing, like, yes. And I have like the shirts, then I caps. Mm -hmm. I went for like a really nice- Like baseball nice hats or? Baseball, yeah. like, close caps. And I went for a model that was like the state of art on, in caps. So it was like seamless, uh, all, the, all the, there was not stitches on it. It was like fusionate all the panels of the cap. It was lightweight, stain resistant, the 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 sweat it was like i don't know like canalized with the band hmm. through the uh, cover i don't know what's the the brim yes. yeah 
your brain and you will see like dripping your your sweet it directs it out yeah that, that was like really cool stuff huh. so the, it was like I, I tried to create some that type of products that have a really differentiate from the uh, products that are out there on the market just to have something different to offer. yeah and lastly i did like just uh, like low cost shirts because this is like uh, more expensive than the regular t-shirt and i did another like version also with the just like a v-neck mm-hmm. t-shirt that idea is like to have an, an entry uh, reduced price so they start knowing the, the brand but this is that particular one t-shirts actually went very well mm. <laughs> like the quality of the cotton i was not totally comfortable with it and i don't think that i will do the same fabric uh, i will just change for the next version totally yeah totally yes huh that's super cool. I didn't. I knew about the card game, but the the clothing is new to me. That's awesome, and I love the idea that you try to appeal to the older skate generation. Yes, because that was the the you know like the part of of an entire generation that the current brands doesn't have products for them mm-hmm. because they are just their objective is to get to the young people. Mm-hmm. But now there is this new generation that are in their 40s, 50s, 30s, and it's like it's only just uh, schools, <laughs> teachers that sometimes because of their appearances and right they can't 40 guys, they can't dress like a 18 year old skater kid in certain you know type of place yes like mm-hmm. you're on the on the skate park or something yeah how many people from your generation of skaters are still skating though. It's probably pretty small, right? It, it is, but it's growing. Like, oh, yeah? I, I have a, a couple of groups on Facebook, like they say like 40 and still skating, oh, 50 wow. and still skating or skate that. Oh, that's your market. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so I look for them, I join there and it's like, you know, skate dance, like posting there and that's a lot of people, like huh. a lot of people and even in my journey to, to in the, the, my entrepreneurship journey, I had some training courses for entrepreneurship. And I was consistently finding people that say, oh yeah, I, when I was young, I have my experience with the skateboarder, like probably not that uh, passionate as someone mm-hmm. that it's like me, like 30 years and I still want to skate every day. But every once in a while, I'll pick it up again. Every and... once in a while. And, and also have, like, good memories to them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when I was in the high school, I, I had my skateboard. So it also has, like, a good memories for them, like, recalling their period. But there was a lot of people that once in a while or once, they just jump into the skateboard and see what happened. And most <laughs> of them just fall and say, no, no, yeah. this <laughs> is not for me. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of other products that would appeal, like, a safer version of a skateboard or something because people as they age want to not hurt themselves on the board when you're 15 it's not even a consideration but then yes when you're 45 and you're like i could break my arm if i fall so <laughs> it would be good yeah and the idea of the project was like as as industrial designer i'm i'm work as a, i have been working in my professional career as an architect hmm drafter, uh, even like a video animation, mm. advertisement industry. Now I'm working as a project manager. But 
I have never had the chance to work as an industrial designer, so actually creating products. So, so this entrepreneurship also gave me the opportunity to create different products. So the idea is having that niche of uh, all the skateboarders, just to call it like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> grown-up skateboarders, there were like a tons of products that it's way different from the young skateboarders. Like, as a young man, you want to backpack and have your skateboard and attach it. But for for older ones, you already have your car, you want a, a bag to put mm. it in the trunk. No, not, so the products change. Yeah. So the idea was to develop an ease, that's the idea, to develop an entire range of products for, for that generation. Like yeah. in, products for the house, for the office, for the bathroom, for each area of the house, that type of things, like a shower curtain with a a bunch of ends of uh, skateboarding Mm. tricks. That type of things, I was, it's on the plan to develop. So start creating products and products that are like, people can identify with them. And and when they move, uh, it was a trauma that skateboarders experiment and probably mm-hmm. annoy young people. When you're moving from your skateboarding style, you know, the baggy uh, pants, oh. or your, your shirts. And, and you everything. have to grow up, you have to get professional. Yes, you need to yeah. go to either the, school, uh, the, the college or the job, and it's like, uh-huh. you can no longer dress like that. And that's like, like the first uh, trauma, like, oh my God, I, I don't feel like me, this is not me. Mm. Over the time, you, you just get used to. But that was like the big trauma, like, I don't feel uh, identified with this type of clothing. Like, as in comparison to football or to soccer, mm. like uh, people wearing, playing, wearing keep... you know, a football team Jersey shirt, or whatever, yeah. it's not bad. It's like, okay, you're we are 60 and that's your team, that's good. But if you're 60 and you're grabbing a skateboard, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> We're not supposed to do a skateboarding at this age. Like, right, it looks wrong. Uh, yes, uh, and that's one of the major things that that also white products to this type of niche and in the skateboarding market. What about skateboard shoes? Have you thought about that? Like dress shoes that you could also skate in? Yes, <laughs> that is one of the things that it's kind of a very cover because you know the shoes are they just go for a bunch of models. Hmm. So. You can certainly find some shoes that can match mm. your office style without a big problem. That's the other thing. So in the in the 90s, beginning of the 2000s also, mm-hmm. the only shoes brand was skateboarders' owned brands. Mm. So like nobody cares about the skateboarding. So we used to wear um, DC shoes, ES, ADO, like well-known brands, <laughs> mm-hmm. but for us was very, very popular and it has like the caution and the protection and, and the type of construction on the, on, on the sneaker to last longer because the skateboard has a grip tape. On, on. Right, it's, a, it's hard on the shoe. Yes, yeah, every time you, you jump, you just like are sanding your shoes. Mm-hmm. So the stitches will go off in, in one, two days the lace will just get broke very fast. So there is some specific type of shoes. But when the market starts growing, the big companies say, oh, there is money there. Mm. So we would, in the 90s, we just were like 
laughing and pointing out the guy who has Nike. Like, mm. uh, like it was like, you are not part of the crew if you are yeah. wearing Nikes. Like, come on. Or Puma or Adidas or whatever. But nowadays, all these brands has their specific Red their version skateboard, the skate, yeah. skate shoe for that. And, and it was like, okay. And also the big, huge budget for that. Mm. So the, the small brands, like the authentic brands that was skateboarded on, they just like start fading away or it's hard. Some of them are still are, uh, on in the market, but it's, I see that it's hard for them to compete with Nike, like yeah. their Macy budget. The juggernaut. So, yes. They, they, their teams, you know, the, the skateboarders that the skate for Nike is like, a, I don't know, a, a football player that making a lot of money. Mm, yeah. Big Ferrari. Sponsorship with a nice house in, in Beverly Hills, that type of thing. So that's the budget that Nike can provide to their skateboarders. So that's a big gap from, you know, legendary brand from Santa Cruz that, you know, they're a skate owner and it's there, they're doing skateboards and, and that's it. But nothing in comparison with the, all the logistic and, and resources that Nike, Adidas yeah. has already. A lot of uh, like, funny collaborations like Louis Vuitton, oh. Gucci. So they start just getting into the thing like building a skateboard. There was, I don't know if it was Gucci or Louis Vuitton that they actually sell a skateboard. Hmm. And it was like, you know, in the, in, the, in, the, in a suitcase, like leather suitcase. <laughs> Gold on it. and Yeah, way expensive. <laughs> you can imagine how expensive. Probably not even useful. It just was. Uh, well, it, it was funny because it was a, uh, uh, a couple of, of gay guys uh. and one of them give it as a present to the other so they went and filled into the skate park and they just broke this skate uh, in the first, the first use in the first ride oh my god and it was like okay this is sitting well very well that's crazy <laughs> yeah it's expensive but not functional that's <laughs> right well cool shifting gears a little bit so everything we just talked about the business is your side hustle what is your main job? Well, my main job is I'm a project manager for the U.S. government. Here in Mexico, I work in the embassy. So the type of projects I, I work on, it's renovation projects, like reconfigure an office or, or major maintenance. So that's like my Monday to Friday. <laughs> Day <laughs> like, job. Yes. Yeah. Skateboarder by night. Skateboarder um, by night. <laughs> yes. And if I'm not mistaken, the biggest embassy in the world is being built right now in Mexico City, right? Are you involved in that? Yes. I, I have some participation in the initial design. Wow. And just providing some kind of a license between the, 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 all the community in the existing embassy with the new one. I'm not the main point of contact because... It's a big, big yeah. project. Do you know what the budget is on it by chance? Well, the last time I saw the budget was $750 million. Wow, that is wild. Yes, <laughs> it started with 500, then it raised like, and it's supposed to be finished a long time ago, but oh. I think that it will keep rising. And what's the, what's the latest deadline? Like when do they think it'll be done? 
I have this question like every day in the office. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have a year. So it's a very complex construction. So probably not this year, but next nah, three years maybe? No way, like two, three years. Okay. Two, three years. Like, yes, it's contractor is struggling. It's not a common construction. Then mm. the, I'm working in projects here. It's hard for us to to explain the 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 US regulations mm. and codes that we are we, we need to comply. Mm. But since we are overseas and that happens all around the world, you need to explain to local uh. contractors, builders how to perform the work but in a US way. So yeah. it's like like why are you asking me for these safety things like if we What are, are some are examples right? of that? Well like the basic one is like to use gloves or oh, PPE. So protection personal stuff. protection is like workplace safety. Yes. And it's part of the, you know, like economy, culture and everything. The construction business in Mexico. It's you know, big buildings or projects. For sure they have their safety inspection and all the measurement. But it I would say 80% or 90% that is not the case to create like a big mall or big uh, residential building. In that regard, it's not needed. Like mm -hmm. they don't consider and the government does not require or punish it if, they, if the workers doesn't have the proper uh, Yeah, I've seen guys like gears. welding without glasses on and climbing buildings without harnesses. And Yes, all, the, all those type of safety measures like boots, those glasses like whenever I have a project like okay let's demolish this wall and they just go raw no no gloves no mm. eight, no eye protections no helmet and, and it's like okay stop right there you need to do <laughs> this and that's the hardest part huh so that adds a lot of expense probably because everything takes longer and you gotta yeah. everything's longer and also the type of the architecture it's way different from the u.s than here so the amount of information that architecture firm provides to the contractor is like different. Like mm. I'm being drafter for, I don't know, more than 15 years. I'm still doing drawings for the projects I design. And I, I really know that the guy that is actually performing the work will not be able to read those drawings. Hmm. And, and the owner probably because they're of not the trained. company, they're it's not, not trained. Their job, yeah. They're not trained. And, and there is not the same care of that type. Like U.S. has the strict regulations that needs the drawing, the design needs to be stamped by a registered architect. And there is a lot of things that needs to happen mm. and be certified to, to ensure that a building is with the right quality. And here in Mexico, it's like way more relaxed than that. Yeah. So like this building that has 35 stories, the government cannot list any of this because it doesn't need the fire. The uh, U.S. Code. government couldn't? The U.S., yeah. yes. No, because it's like from the U.S. point of view, it's like a way danger to live above uh -huh. the third floor from here. Like you will die. <laughs> there is because no emergency egress, no fire suspension system, uh, uh, and that type of things. Like, okay, no, like, uh, we don't have enough exits and all that stuff. What are the egresses that would be needed? Is there no stairs or? Yes, there are. It, it is because this is a big building. They have two set of stairs. There are pressurized in order to avoid the smoke going uh, to the stairs, but 
like the, the fire code in the US requires to have stairs on the outside. Oh, okay. So these are in the inside of the building and at least two. So that's the type of stairs we see in New York that is like yeah, part of the city. Outside, there yeah. are no pretty, not at all. It's like a metal, like hanging there. Yeah. It's famous in the movies. That's the type of thing that is required. That was in some times like just attached to the existing buildings because I think that it all being the old buildings doesn't have those. And but here in Mexico that doesn't exist. It's like yeah, just whatever. You may yeah. go out, you may not. And <laughs> huh? Interesting. So you've been with the embassy or working for the U.S. government mm -hmm. for how long? For twelve years so far. Wow. It's it's the longest uh, work I have I kept. <laughs> so far. Yeah. Yeah, far. that's amazing. Yeah. Are they a good employer? They are. They are. They yeah. are government, you know. You, you know you're going to get a paycheck no matter what. <laughs> yes. But I'm personally, I'm, I just don't want to be part of the bureaucracy. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like a dying. It's so hard to be sitting like 10 hours just watching the ceiling. I want to do something. Mm. I want to strive in my workplace. I want to grow. I want to learn new things. So I do have the, um, I show my interest to do better and it was a good place. So, so they helped me with the training for project management. I, I didn't know that the project management was a profession like formally in the US. Hmm. So I went to DC and took a training of um, project management. And I really like it because like it's what I'm doing in my daily basis. And there was like a best practices, a book of knowledge that, that you can implement on your daily basis doing projects. So I start getting that information and I study hard to get certified from the Project Management Institute in the U.S. that provides certification for... You have your PMP? Uh, yes. Nice. And that's, the, that's the cool thing, like working in, on, on that part. But still, the commercial part doesn't exist in the government, mm. like the private sector part. If you are not being productive, you will get fired sooner or later. <laughs> and it's a shame because in government it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. It's like a long process. So you make it higher and, and probably be there for five years until one of the bosses say, man, you, you haven't doing anything in the five years. It's hard to get a uh, kick out government. I completely understand. That was one of the things I hated about the military was just how unambitious like a lot of people were. They're just like, I'm just going to coast and do my 20 years and get paid for the rest of my life. And, yeah, it was, I, I totally understand that attitude. And then the most rewarded skills are like, how good are you at paperwork? Just being a yes man is the main thing that gets rewarded. So the, the super interesting thing about your career is that you have been to Afghanistan with the U.S. Oh yeah, that was something that even before like joining the embassy, because my sister used to work there. And that's how I like noticed about the vacancy because it's not like they ad advertise. Uh, so that was your or, first job in the U.S. for the U.S. government was? Yes, to... yes. I started working there as a customer service representative. Mm -hmm. I haven't finished my college back then. And then I was calling to get to the project manager. But I knew that there were some programs to receive volunteers in those places like Afghanistan and, and Iraq. That was the most that there were like a military action. I didn't know about that. And I was just like, oh, my God, there isn't like a tour 
private tour for people to go there in, in that type of conflict areas. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we really like to do that. And it's really hard to get mm. your bosses let you go there because that means that they will keep your job for you, for you when you return and you will not be doing the work that you are supposed to do. So someone needs to cover that or mm -hmm. they need to, to just figure out without you. Creates a gap in the office that they're, yeah. Yes. So I was really looking forward to that. And like the foreign service diplomats, mm -hmm. they move every two years. Mm -hmm. Or it used to be every two years, now it's every two year, three years. And it was quite interesting when I just learned about it because it took me some years, like, why are they doing this rotation? And, and I just hear someone telling that this is because if people remain a lot of years in one country, they will start getting familiar and start mm -hmm. developing sympathy for that country. So our mission is to be diplomats and represent the U.S. government interest in our mission, overseas mission. But if we stay for five years there, it's like we will forgot about the capital and that thing, and we will just eat tacos and Go have native. fun here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that was like, okay, that's a good move to keep people looking for the same objective that the government has overseas. It was quite interesting. But the thing for us as staff members, as local staff members, is that supervisors change mm. every two years. Oh, yeah, your boss changes uh, every... <laughs> yes, and every time a new supervisor arrives, okay, this is the right way to do it. And <laughs> we change mm, everything. Yeah, the green guy. That's a certainly, yeah. I think that doesn't happen in the military. But in it this... Does. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Take advantage of the new Take lieutenant or the... Yeah, so that's why I kind of start getting into my chances to go to, to either Afghanistan or Iraq. Just asking the bosses, so the boss that I was leaving, I just asked him, oh, can I just submit my application? And he said, yeah, okay, you can do it. He doesn't care because he will not be there by the time oh, I'm gone. Oh, so you timed it right. That's a... Yes, so I get one supervisor to get approval for me to submit my application. And then the new one arrived. And then, but I was already on the system, so I get the invite. I have the call and I had my supervisor. If it's good, if I can go. And they just allow me six months. I wanted to stay for a year. But they just say, no, six months. I'm my local supervisor here in Mexico retire when I was away. So it was like, no, it will not extend. Oh, they brought you back or they wouldn't sign off on your yeah, extension at that point? Yes, they didn't sign my extension. So what was your title while you were there? What was your job role? I was an architect. Oh, like yeah. The team in architect, architectural drafter. So I was working in an in engineer's team that was a structural engineer, mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, and the architect. So we developed drawings of the complex that it was like constantly uh, in construction, mm. moving, like very dynamic place. So we need to provide drawings for all those type of different projects that was happening. Was it there. just one base or was it all over Kabul or where were you? Well, there is a green zone in Kabul or used to be. I don't know the actual Yeah, they asked what it's like. And it was like a compound inside of that green zone hmm. that it was the resolution support area that was the RS. And that area was next to the embassy compound. Mm. So there was a division and we were able to go to the military base itself on, on, on weekends because there was like a market 
local products market in the football field, which was the place where all the helicopters landed. Hmm. But when that the market wasn't happening. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so the military were there and we were like next to it, like just right next to it. And and there were like a lot of I don't know how they the right name for that, like deployments. They were military from Georgia, Australia mm. and all, all around forces, the place. Yeah. Yes, Allied forces. That's that's right. And they were and you were staying in like a hotel and then those the other countries would be there with you and Yes, there were like a different type of housing units. So the first one or the older ones was a containerized unit. Mm. We call it the CHU, containerized housing unit. Mm. So it was of like course, a, yeah, an acronym. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> uh, it was like a sandwich type of uh, houses, like prefabricate. So mm. it was just easy to build. I was in one of that. It was like a, just like a truck mm. thing. And then there was a project to build three, three towers. There were like three big towers. And it was just right before they left the, the mission there. Oh, they finished it like a couple of years ago before they yes, evacuated? Yes, there were like two, two towers already. Like nice apartments, hotel apartments, like Hilton or Marriott type of apartments, units like granite kitchen, two bedrooms, a bathtub, so on. Gym, pool, wherever. And then there was like a new development that was three big towers, mm -hmm. like a professional basketball court, professional swimming pool. Wow. And I was there in 20, uh, what was, in the 18, 2018. And it was just brand new. I came back and they were still finishing those, those three towers. There were like hundreds of apartments and it should be there empty. And what was a typical day for you there? We had a really long extended working hours. There was not a lot to do. It was like, like a military base, but with high security. It was like a prison, like you would mm -hmm. not go out of this <laughs> wall. Yeah, uh -huh. so all you could do is work. Yes. <laughs> and there was like a work. plenty of gyms all around the place. But I just went once and... And then, oh, my, my <laughs> arms are in pain. Like, why are you doing this? I went to swim once away. I took my skateboarder there. Oh, wow. The, when I arrived in the introductory briefing, I just approached to the security guy and say, hey, can I skateboard? Can I skate? And say, okay. They were very flexible because of the conditions. Like, mm. They just want to keep things like avoiding you going crazy. Yeah, keep people happy and entertained as much yes, as possible. Yes, and he told me, just the way this area where the ambassador lives and then you can you can go skate and, and did you ever have artillery attacks or anything while you were there was it yes. crazy stories it was like it was pretty it was something because the first night that i arrived just getting into your unit and i was just in i just want to avoid having the alarms goes off mm -hmm. when I'm on the shower. Mm. That's all I asked. Yeah, like, don't run out naked that's all in wet. Yes. <laughs> yes, because the drill was, okay, just go to the floor and stay there. No matter what you're doing. No yeah. matter what you're doing. Just go right there. The first thing is movement is go to the floor. And it was funny because first night, I was taking a shower at night, <laughs> and the alarm goes off. And then it was an alarm that it was uh, saying like incoming, incoming. And wow. it was like the rockets was detected that 
going to the to the compound. So it was something serious. Okay, just go to the floor, I do like mop. Go to the bot the, the ground floor or no, just drop to the floor. Uh. Drop to the floor. There were bunkers and the outside that if you heard that, you need to to go in. Mm. So that that was just the first night. And the second exactly the same. Exactly the same. When I was in the shower, I was like, come on. <laughs> and after that, yes, and after that, there was once I was swimming, and then I just heard the bomb like, And I was actually in the dressers after swimming, and it was like an isolate building just for the locker's room. I took a shower there, but I couldn't hear instruction on the speaker. And I was just hearing the alarm and I was texting my other friends like, hey, what happened? Can I go out? I don't want to, because the, the bump was near that area. And I just like, I don't want to spend the entire night here. I just, just let me know when it's over. Because inside I was hearing like the clear or something. It was, mm, yeah, you I, couldn't I, verify that it was. I can't verify that. So that was one. And the worst was that there was like, I don't know. It was an ambulance full of explosive, and they blow it in a big intersection. Wow. It was really crowded. So I was in my computer working, and the windows just like wave from the bomb wave that wow. smashed the entire city. That was the entire building filled the expansive uh, uh, wave. Did they do that on purpose, blow it up in the intersection, or were they trying to get to the embassy? They or? did it on purpose, uh. yes. Wow. There were some like in December 25 holidays, a guy's approach to the to the first control point and um, blow himself there. Yeah, I've heard about a lot of those happening. A lot of Marines died and all sorts of Americans from those kind of incidents. Yes. But, wow. That must have been wild. Yes. There was a, a, a garden where the plates, people that was lost mm -hmm. in their service was there. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm Mexican, I still try to joke every time. And I was telling the, my friends, they were like, this is the goal. Our name should not be here, and then yeah. we will be fine. <laughs> Just avoid having your name in this area, and I will be fine. Yeah, get out of here alive. Yes, and we work like from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., mm. I think so. And yeah, I was, I was tired, and I was not prepared for the buffet. Oh, yeah, you told me about that. <laughs> yes, I was prepared for everything, like how to react to bombs, <laughs> to active shooters, to evacuate the, the, in a rush, <laughs> all Un those type of things. Unlimited food. But unlimited <laughs> food, not at all. I gained eight kilograms over Oh, there. wow. And I was like, oh my God, I couldn't. Yeah, eight um, kilograms, that's all. <laughs> that's, that's like a over, over a kilogram a month. <laughs> yes, yes, that was a lot, but we have all Salmon, like the big steaks, if you were going like quality. We have Ben and Jerry's, oh my God. That's crazy. <laughs> I get addicted to, to the cheesecakes. Oh. Like we have the cheesecake factory slices. And one particular was like chocolate, Godiva chocolate. Oh. I, I, every drawer you will open in, even in my apartment unit oh, or in cool, my man. office, you will find a cake there. <laughs> A yeah. slice of cake? Yes. A slice of good either. <laughs> yes. It was really good. And then we have the movie theater there. We have the new movies. There was like kind of agreement and they sent oh, us the movies. Oh, you see it before or as yes. soon as it was released? Yes. There was one movie that, that this, the movie was about 
the first movement to Afghanistan from the U.S. military. Mm. The movie was like that. It was this actor, the one that it's Thor. What is it? He won uh, Thor. Oh. I don't know the name Chris of the actor. Hemsworth? Is yes. It? Yeah. So it's the same protagonist. It's like riding a horse with two <laughs> guns machine in each arm and hitting everyone. Like, Come on. Really? What is action movies? And yeah, we, got, we have that play in the movie theater there like a week before it was released in the, oh. in the U.S. theaters. Was it the movie about the army cavalry, like the history? The Yes, like the first team that gets to the place and talk with a part of the, I don't know, Afghanistan community that, that was against the, the bad guys, mm. basically. So yeah, that was the, the entry point there. It was quite interesting also hearing the story of Afghanistan. Yeah. How are they in that situation? Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. How many non-Americans were working on the base? Was it like high percentage or was it? It was, yeah. I, would I think say, a lot of people don't realize that. that I would say it could be like 50%. Wow. Probably more. Like the, the first uh, contact point for the security was the um, this Nepali army mm. the Gurkhas? Gur- yes, oh, yeah, that yeah. was the Gurkhas. And wow. it was like, and it was fun because, not fun, but interesting, like, bodies, uh, there was not like the kind of the feet yeah, of the Marines. Small, like, very short. Yeah, it was like like a Mexican, like my, <laughs> not that tall. Some of them was like a, not slim guys. They were like heavy guys and, but they were so resistant, like you were doing the training. This guy doesn't stop. I hear the stories about, about them. So that was the ones that keep the area. And mm, cool. the program I joined, it was like a TV wires program. Yeah. So we were doing all sorts that any embassy does, like uh, internal services. I was with the maintenance part and the projects section. Mm. But there was all kind of thing like travel office, general service office for housing, for administrative stuff. And that was the the most grateful thing that I experienced there, that in a table were people like all around the place, like from Latin America, Europe, Africa. So I have a friend from Afghanistan, a friend from Greece. So you stay in touch with all these people? Yes, and that was the most rewarding thing because we were able to communicate. Like for me, like my English learning path was not like the regular one. Like I went to the school three years and then I'm building well, it was not like that. It was like going back and forward in different type of trainings. But I was thankful to be able to communicate with people with so different backgrounds. And all of them has a good level of English to be able to communicate because of their work. They would, they would be working in an embassy in their countries. Mm. So that was really cool, really cool, knowing people from all yeah. around the place. And there was like the Latin mafia there. And they, what, the Russian? No, not the Russians. Yeah, they were like... Oh, wow. That area, like Turkmenistan, Eastern Europe. Israel. There were a bunch of contractors from the Philippines. They have a certain contract maintenance. That's why I was close to them. So there were like a bunch of... of have you seen from... any of your friends since then? Like friends from the from Afghanistan? No, or? I keep talking with some. Madagascar, in, wow. in, in Uruguay, Canada, in Dhaka, in Bangladesh. That is so cool. <laughs> yes, it was really cool. There was a guy, a, a team of five 
like we just met in the training when we were in, in DC. It was a one training to get familiar with the Afghanistan uh, culture. So they were explaining you the customs and, and, the, mm. and how to understand the culture better. Right. Because there were local Afghanistan uh, staff there also. Oh, they taught you firsthand experience? Yes, so I did work with an engineer and an architect. The architect was studying in the US, but even though there were like people from living there from Kabul, Afghanistan, so they would every day to their home wow. outside the camp. Do you stay in touch with any of the Afghanistan people? No, not really. Hopefully I, they're in the US now. Yes, I, some I, of them I hear that. Yeah. And that was like a thing that the beginning, it shocked me out because they need to, they, if they work for a year for the US government, they automatically get their SIB, oh. the residency in the in the US. Huh. And when I arrived, they moved it from two years, from one to two years. Mm-hmm. But after two years working, then you will be able to apply for that. Oh, even then, this is when you were there, it was two years, okay. And for us, it's 20 years. Come on, after 20 for years. For anyone, any other country or Mexico specifically? I think that is for any other country, yeah. depending on the country, but I think that for local stuff, and but in my case, by going to to serve in that type of danger post, that it's been reduced to 15 years. Mm. So I can apply if I want oh, for, you're right, for a residence. Yeah, uh, for yeah, some three years away. Okay. One thing I wanted to ask you: the the war is super controversial in the U.S. and especially outside of the U.S. Have you ever gotten any resistance from Mexicans that are like against the war? Is that like a, do they care that you went over there? Is that a thing? Not, not really. Like most of the people know, I don't think, I don't. That was one of my feelings because without that military background that you know what we're doing <laughs> and what's your mission and it's not like optional to say yes or not. But in my case, like I was, quite considering like, I might be, my regret going there to support this mission. Like mm. there is something wrong happening yeah. there. Like, is this morally okay? Yeah. Yes, to, to feel bad, to participate in something that was probably not that, that it was not justice in the justice the just cause. Yes, yeah. the just cause, that's, that's right. But after just learning about the situation of the country and how everything like came to that situation, I was like, feel better about it. Okay, yeah, I will not feel better mm-hmm. bad about this because it's, it's a lot of factors that came to this situation. And it was like an end point for the US. Like there was like, in my point of view, because there are certainly <laughs> things to do over there that are not public, but it's nothing to do here. The articles that I was reading is just having the most powerful country at that time put in order in this country that was a mess. And that's the same that happened before with the Russian Empire that, that also took Afghanistan. And before them, the British Empire that also was in, in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So when I read about this, okay, yeah, this is a really complex thing. And I get it, but when the US say, okay, let's go back. There's nothing else to do here. Mm-hmm. And I just get it like, yes, it's nothing to do. People without knowing will say, no, the U.S. is there because they want their petrol or they want their oil or whatever thing. And that might be something, but 
depending on the uh, story, on what is happening in the former decades and invasions, it's not, it's not like that. It's like, it's a lot more nuanced to it. Yes. It's like you are the, for me, is like being the older of the, of a 10 kids family mm. and seeing that they are punching the smallest one. Mm. I, you need to do something. World, what I understood is like the world was watching at the U.S. Okay, what would you do with this situation in this country? And before that, looking at Russia, like they are communist also, and but they are a mess, and they are not giving a good example. So make that people behave so they can be a good example of the communist. And before that, it, it was also the British Empire. Okay, you are the one that put in order on the world at this moment. So what would you do with these guys? Uh, yeah. That was the things that I understood about the situation of that country. Was the, I assume they were, but was the Mexican military involved? Were they sending troops? Oh, no. No. Because Mexico stays very neutral. They, like, when's the last time Mexico had a war? Was it with the U.S. and the, the Mexican-American Well, war? I think that they sent some convoys, I think so, to, the, to World War II. Uh, they sent some, I think the last one I can hear about it, but because before that it was like, oh, like 500 ago, like when they, they were trying to, it was with the Cinco de Mayo, was mm. the battalion with the French army. And I think that was the last one, I think so. But before that, no, we're just fighting ourselves with the narco. Yeah, <laughs> that's most of the military now, yeah. Yes, and I did have a lot of military friends. Like when I started skating, it was a group of that went to my same school, mm -hmm. but most of the kids were their parents were military hmm. because the the military zone. Oh, in this area, like this area, here? yes, yeah. it's Polanco, and there is the military zone. I was going to the school uh, in in Polanco area, so since it's close to that military base or residential apartment. They were going to that school, so we started skating actually inside of the military area. Oh, wow, in the base? In the base, yes. Wow, interesting. Yes. Is it a popular choice to join the military? Like, Not really, but what I noticed with all my friends is that they have their parents yeah. were in the military, so they just followed their steps. It was an obvious path or something for them? Yes. Gotcha. Yes, most of them follow their part. Like, I would say that. Eight from ten or seven from ten. Okay. All right, we've been going a long time. I think we can wrap it up here. <laughs> cool. And uh, yeah, thanks for chatting with me. <laughs> thank you. Thank I you. think some people are gonna listen to this and learn something. So of course, thank you for listening. <laughs>